It's P Price. I'd love you to listen to my podcast with Michael Josephson, MBE. This story is the most remarkable story about bullying and then building an empire. This man went to rock bottom and is now incredibly successful and runs an incredible charity. Have a listen now to Michael, MBE, on my podcast. Liverpool Live. Good evening, Pete. How are you? I'm very well. So, a little bit hoarse because you've been partying, yes? Well, yeah, I was at a re- Rewind Festival yesterday, so uh, a little bit hoarse today. Yeah. Now, tell me, what was it like going back to a festival? Explain to me. It, it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it was pouring down with rain, but that, that, that didn't make any matter to anybody. Just to be out there and socialising, having fun again was just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And speaking to everybody else there... Everybody was having such fun. It was such a joy to be out and getting back to some form of normality again. Yeah. Now, we're going to be talking about your charity work in a moment, um, and I'm sure you've missed it like mad, as have so many other charities. But let's first of all talk about you. It's an incredible story. Please take your time, but tell us about how you got to where you are. So, uh, my mother died... um, when I was a young child, uh, just before my, my, my 10th birthday, and my, my, my parents were divorced. Um, I didn't have any, any contact with my, my father. Or, you know, the only feedback I had about my father, he, he was a, a bad man. Um, my brother, half-brother, uh, from my mum's first marriage, um, after my mother died, uh, got custody of me. Um, it was a very, very fast um, illness with my mother. She was um, New Year's Eve, 1987, had heart problems and a heart attack, and then sadly died away on, on the 4th of June, 1987, which, which as a child it really hit me. I was very close to, to my mother, and probably she was overprotective in certain ways and mollycoddled me. So... I very quickly had to had to learn about life and how to survive. Um, I spent a, a couple of years um, with my brother. Um, when I was, I think, 14, at, at that point, I, I was taken into care um, because I'd been abused in a, in a terrible way and I was actually found naked on the street. Going through the care system um, as a victim was very, very hard because I should have gone to a specialised unit, but I I, I didn't. And I I, I was put in care uh, with other children, but I was, again, abused in care, bullied in care. My my, my problems went from major to even more major. Um, finally, when I was six, just 16, I got out of the care system um, and started my own life and my journey. Um, I became strongly dependent on um, sleeping tablets, um, up as and down, as, as, uh, as I used to call it, that I was taking tablets to help me sleep and then tablets to keep me calm during the day. Um, 
and then started drinking very, very heavily uh, and taking drugs and partying and not sleeping. Um, all the way through, I wanted to be successful and I, I was working and I, I, I was working hard um, for other people and just before um, my major attempt of suicide um, on the 28th of December 1998, I'd been out and taking a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol and all the problems that were in my head but never went away came all of a sudden in, in, in one go and I attempted to take my life and jumped off um, a bridge, a 60 foot bridge. Um, I have no idea of landing or anything like that. I'd been sat on the bridge for three hours uh, everybody thought at the last minute I was about to climb back over and I was but I looked behind me and thought if I climb over this bridge everyone's going to think I'm either attention seeking or I'm going to be locked up or I'm going to be put in an institution and in the end I didn't want to take my life but I thought I, I put myself in an impossible position and, and I just jumped um, I was in hospital for a few months up to today as we are now I've had over 24 procedures I more or less broke every bone in my body I had to learn to walk again um, I still now uh, twice a week, every week I have to go for physio on, on my back from where I broke it I have pains in my ankles when I walk I have pains in my hands but I'm here I'm alive and it's made me a, a far stronger person and, and made me want to never want anybody to go through what I've gone through. And if I can help anybody in any way, you know, that's the legacy I would like to leave. Michael, when, while this was happening, when was your empire being built? Or was that after you decided, I want to live, that you, you, you tried so, to commit suicide? What, what, um, what happened? The the, 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 the the main business was actually set up three months before I did what I did. Mm. Um, but I had such good relationships with people that uh, the business was continuing whilst whilst I was in hospital and, and a lot of people support, supported me. And obviously it's gone on now. I was with a business partner at the time and then in 2015 I decided... Uh, that was the year to not have any partners and partnerships uh, and just go and be in charge of my, my own destiny and, uh, and touch wood where we are today. It, it's very, very successful and it's helping me in my work to be able to help others as well. The one thing I love about you is, and we'll talk about you, how much you put back into society, but let me stay with, with what you went through. How have you coped with your anger looking back at the way you've been treated? Well, in the early days and going through my teenage years, um, I hated myself. Um, I blamed myself for everything that happened to me. I, I was struggling with my sexuality. Um, I didn't mention before also, after my mother died, I actually found out the reason why the divorce, why my father had molested me as a child. As a very, very young child. 
so that's why I, I didn't have a father in my life. And with the, with 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 the abuse and sexual and about that, it must have been something about me why this was happening to me, and I, I blamed myself. And in a way, I hated myself. Um, as I said, I was struggling with my sexuality. I was beginning to have feelings through other men. I didn't understand it. I didn't have any family. I didn't have any anybody to discuss things. So, so, so I hated myself. But lying in a hospital bed, being told you're probably never going to walk again and that it was a miracle you fell and landed the way you, fa- you fell, that like you haven't got brain damage or you yeah. didn't die instantly, made me cherish and, uh, and love my life uh, and think I'm going to fight back now and not not let other people grind me down and what can I do now to make my life happy and successful uh, and even as a child um, when my mother died I would do 24 hour famines, I would do jumble sales so I, I was always philanthropic as a child and, and I wanted to expand on that and I wanted to be a, a, both a successful businessman to, to, to enable me to be able to help others. Mike. And, and what, what what I've done now, yeah. I've managed to put all this at the back of my head. So it's still there. And yeah. There's still some days and some, sometimes it will never go away. But I've managed now to control control those feelings and thoughts and sadness and, and put them in a place where they're not going to harm me. Michael, when you were lying in the hospital fighting for your life, did you have a lot of friends then? I mean, were you supported? Did you have a group of friends yeah, I, at I that did, time? I, I did, did have friends um, that came and supported me. But moving moving on from there, my life changed so much since then. And probably that group, bar one, two or three of those friends, those people are not in my life anymore because that that was the bad part of my life and mm. they probably encouraged some of the way I was acting. So it, it, it wasn't good to have them people around me anymore. When did you finally accept your sexuality? What age? Um, probably just as I, I, I was jumped around the time I jumped off the bridge. Mm. I, I knew I was gay and I, I had relationships as with, with, with other males, but I, I still didn't. I, I thought I was ill. I thought it, I didn't understand why, why, why I was having this. And uh, obviously, many being gay now is it, it, it's not a big thing. But many years ago, it, it wasn't. It, you really weren't accepted, and a lot of the people uh, that I did business with, you know. I was dealing with CEOs and MDs, and at that level in them days, a lot of them were homophobic. I'm talking to a remarkable man who's just told us a story that had me just just pinned to my seat. Michael Josephson uh, is an MBE. He is a motivator. He's a charity campaigner. He has got a very successful empire, and he's doing incredibly well. Michael, leaving all that to one side that you just told us, uh, except for one thing, your education... How good or bad was your education, and has that been something that's held you back, or has it something you've embraced? So my my education, uh, my mother was very very strict with me when she was alive, and I was probably in the top class 
for everything. But after my mother's death died, my education deteriorated. Um, I, I wasn't learning, I wasn't paying attention. I was becoming very, very disruptive at school. Um, I missed a lot of time out of school when I was in the care system. And um, I didn't take all my GCSEs. I, I only did a few and I, I didn't do very good at all. I, I, the only one I did well in was um, business, where um, I got a B. And I went on to college. Um, but I wanted to be, as I call myself, streetwise. I wasn't bothered to have a degree and be in education until I was 25. I wanted to get out and, and earn a living. Uh, 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 and make money and I was very very hungry to work and uh, as somebody said to me the other day when I was talking about people I've employed I said um, just because somebody's got a degree or a graduate it doesn't mean that I, I will employ them m m mine's all about personal yeah. personality relationship and if they're streetwise and as, as I say I'm a survivor and I like people who can be quick and think and feel on their feet so for me, education wasn't a factor. I wanted to be successful, but I didn't think I needed the education to do that. And thankfully, luckily, I have progressed without that. Now, you've got this. You've built the career. The, the empire's starting to build. When did you decide to start motivating and pulling something back? Forget the charity, the bit that you did helping other people. We'll talk about the charity in a moment. Where did that come in? When did you feel, I want to put something back? So, as a child, I wanted to give and do things. I, I used to do jumble sales for the local hospice. Uh, as I said before, I did a 24-hour famine, ra raising money. And I, I always wanted, I, I always had something inside, even though I wanted to, to help other people. And uh, I, I remember what, when I was first coming out gay now, I didn't have a lot of money at all then. I, I was struggling where to get food work for, for, for anything, but the, 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 there was a guy that, who, who I met and... He came from a, a very quite deprived area of where, where I live, and him and his family really struggled. But I would have given him my last pound to help him and his family, and I, I've always wanted to do that. I would rather go without food so I could let somebody else have a meal, and that's always been part of me. When did you decide... To go into the charity work, you started that young, but you have now got, you built an amazing charity. Tell us all about it. So, the, 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 the main part started many, many years ago. Um, I was at a ball in Cheshire as a guest of a friend of mine. He was a sponsor, and um, it was a ch Childline ball. And I had called Childline um, when, I, when I was younger. And... I just loved going to this ball. I loved watching them fundraise. I loved the auction. I loved the raffle. I loved the entertainment. And I thought, wow, I want to do something to child die because I, I like what they do. They they didn't help me because it, I, I, it was too late. I'd done what I, I'd done at that point. But um, I could see the great work that they were doing and I thought, this is me as a child. Now let me help another child. And... Two months later, rather than sending all our customers and suppliers Christmas presents and Christmas cards, I actually held a Christmas lunch at Old Trafford with Wills McGuinness and raised money for Childline. 
And then I went on from there to become chair of their Northwest Ball. And when I originally got involved with the ball, it was raising about 15,000 each year. And w w when I stepped down, it was raising over a quarter of a million. Wow. And I raised about five million for Childline. I was very, very good friends, still am, with Dave Mr. Anson. And the time had come, come for me where I didn't just want to keep raising money annually to, to fall in a big corporate pot and not make a difference. I, I wanted to do my own my own event and decide where the money was going and how it was being, being spent. And that was in 2018. I did the um, first Michael Joseph ball, which was fantastic and raised a quarter of a million pounds. And I've built a brand now where charities can come to me for support. My, my core focus is children, yeah. whether they be disabled, abused, bullied, sick. That, that's my core focus. When, when I, I resigned from um, my work with Charline and the NSPCC, I supported for one year Silverline, which at that point, um, Dave Mr. Anderson was involved in. And it's very, very hard to raise money for older people. And for me, that was me doing something for my mother because I thought, well, I've not got a mother to look after when I'm old, so here's me giving back to, to yeah. older people. And as a charity, that, that really, really struggled. But thankfully, we did a merger to, to, to another charity, and that's now self-sufficient. So each year now I'm going to do my ball. It's been delayed and delayed and delayed because uh, of COVID, but... Roll on the 9th of October, I'm looking to raise over half a million pounds this year for children in the Northwest. Michael, without mentioning any names, do you get, and your passion comes over loud and clear, but do you get angry at some of the costings involved with charities? As I say, without mentioning any names, does it frustrate... Does without it mentioning it, a hundred, a hundred and a hundred percent. And one of my supporters has actually said to me, the reason we support you, Michael, is we know when you stand on that stage at the end of the night, the amount of money you say you've raised, that is what is going to help people. And I, I, I'm not doing a, a, a star celebrity ball that's raising half, half a million pounds and a quarter million pounds goes in costs. The, the, the figure I announced on, on the night is, is pure, pure net money that is going to charity and then when I give that money to charity there won't be any administration costs because I'll, I'll dictate whether it's a bus for variety to the children's charity or, or something for teenage cancer drugs. It's what, what I'm doing, I'm now saying to people I, I, come to me, I'll support you but I'm not just going to give you money, I need to do a project. Yeah, so you can see where the money's going, which is fantastic. Yes. Now, tell us, when did you first hear about your MBE? Talk us through this. So, I came home from work, and my partner had a, a, a brown letter, a brown envelope, and it looked like a, a court paper. And I, I said to my partner, what the hell is this? And it said... I think, what did the letter say on the first? I'm writing to you on behalf of the Foreign Minister, and I'm like, oh, my God, what, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> and 
as I read down, I, I once I'd read the, the first line, I jumped straight to the bottom line to find out what it was all about, and and then I saw and look, it it, it was one of the, the 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 best highlights of my life, and I love what I do, and I'll carry on doing what I do, and I never want any recognition for that. The only sad thing about my MBE that. Yeah. My mother wasn't yeah. alive to be able to see that. How did that you was... How did you cope with the fact you couldn't tell anyone for a while? Well, anybody that knows me knows I can't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so <laughs> holding holding that behind, behind my, my heart was uh, I wanted to scream it from the roof, but obviously you can't tell anybody. So I think that was the best thing that that that, that happened was receiving it, and the worst thing was that I couldn't tell anybody. Yeah. Now, talk us through the day. Tell us about the outfit. Tell us about getting the palace. So, l- luckily, um, I-, I got the Queen. Um, we went into Buckingham Palace. You, I was checking my coats, and, and I, I, I was desperate to find out who was going to give it to me. And I, I said to the man who was putting the coats in the cloakroom, I said, who, who, who's doing it today? So, I'm sorry, sir, we're not allowed to say and I, I said oh is it the Queen's the Queen's I'm sorry I'm not allowed to say but I'm sure you're not going to be disappointed <laughs> and, and it was it, it was just fantastic and uh, you know one of the, one of the other people that I received an honour with that day was Simon Weston who I'd met through my charity work the guy from the yeah. Falklands yeah. and there were some wonderful people there that I met just received just was getting the, the MBE I yeah. met some other great pieces of fantastic work. Did you ever find out who put you for, forward for it? Uh, yes, but I don't know if you're allowed to say you're allowed to No, say no, it. you don't have to, but you do know. Yes. And were you chilled and surprised and, and thrilled when you found out? Yes, I was. Yeah. Really, really, really. It, look, it, it wasn't something I was ever expecting to receive, so uh, I was over the moon. That's incredible. That, that sounds like Esther. <laughs> <laughs> Having having interviewed her and been friend with her myself, um, that's the type of thing she would do. Now, um, it it really is amazing what you do. The way you've come over and told us about everything. You now have a life partner. Yes, my my, my wonderful partner, Lyndon. And you how how did, how did that come about? Um, we were uh, joint friends celebrating their birthday, and we met. Um, but it wasn't actually from many, many months later that we actually got together. And I had, I know it was quite funny actually. So we, we went on our date, then we started seeing each other and I had to have an operation on one of my ankles. So he came and stayed with me because I couldn't drive or anything afterwards. And then to celebrate... I took him to London for the weekend when um, I could walk again. I was off crutches. And we went out for a wonderful dinner. And we were walking back to the hotel. And there was, it's gone now, a famous gay club, uh, GAY. They're still in London, but they were at the Astoria. Yeah, the big one. So I dragged him in there, and there was a huge inflatable um, castle and slide. Mm hmm. And I said to him, hold my drink, I'm going on that. He said, I don't think you should. And I said, I'm going on it. <laughs> Went on it and got stuck halfway through. <laughs> and got to the bottom and I just snapped my leg. <sighs> so um, my medical people said, right, 
six weeks, you're not going to be able to drive. And then um, I said to him, well, you may as well move in. <laughs> and then I did a surprise party for his 30th. And I actually proposed to him that night. Wow. And then we got married a year later. Wow. Wow. You help so many other people. You give motivation to so many. First of all, what would you say to gay people who are listening now and um, are struggling with all the problems they have got? And you've been through them. I've been through them. You know, and we're different, totally different ages. What would you say to people now who are struggling with their sexuality? What, what I would say is don't hide away from who you are. You know, you should never be ashamed of yourself. You're a very, very special person. God put you on, on this planet. You know, you, you never have to be ashamed of your sexuality. and You never have to be afraid. And it does sound a little bit cliche, and I've said this before, and people say it's not always as easy as that. Always, there is always somebody to speak to, whether it's somebody at work, whether it's a family member, whether you ring a helpline. Don't ever, ever sit back and suffer in silence because that that's what I did and it just spirals out of control and whilst you think people aren't there to help you, they are. Looking back, have you ever nearly gone back down the slippery slope of drinking drugs? Um, look, I like a drink. <laughs> I, I, I love a drink and I, I do a lot of socialising but I've never been back down to the dark place that right. I was, and hopefully, please God, you know, nothing would ever make me go back there again, and mm. I don't think I would ever get that low again, because I now know to reach out and ask somebody for help. Your charity, um, uh, your charity name is really great around the country because of your honesty and because of the expenses and because you just put the money into the charity. So a lot of people want to get involved. A lot of people come to your charity. It's always a sellout. Uh, this year, uh, a lady I interviewed once, which I'll never forget, because in the middle of the interview, she had a row with her PA in the middle of the interview, on the phone, arguing over a dress. I'm talking about Joan Collins. You must be ecstatic that you've got her for the 9th of October. I'm, I'm absolutely over the moon that uh, Joan's coming to join us on the evening. Uh, I mean, to, ha to have somebody like that coming to Michael Josephson, who'd have thought 20 years ago he'd be having a ball, you know, who I never thought I'd be having a ball raising, hopefully over half a million, let alone Dame Joan Collins. Sat in, sat in the room with me. I mean, it, it, it's such such an honour, and I, I'm so happy. It, it makes me understand how, how people are valuing the work that I'm actually doing because I know celebrities, artists, all of them every week get so many asks to attend as yeah, a guest, yeah. to sing, to donate a prize, and the fact that that we're getting such wonderful things, such a host of celebrities that have, have given me amazing prizes this year for the auctions and the raffles. It, it's just unbelievable. Do you pinch yourself? Do you sit on your own sometime when you're away from Linda, but sitting there, do you pinch yourself and go, this hasn't happened to me? Honestly, honestly, I do. I mean, last week I got an email telling me that I was getting a signed guitar from Brian May for the auction, and I'm like, really? And that's just one... Yeah. 
so many things that happens now and and at the end of the ball every year when uh, at the end well you're coming as my guest this year so uh, you, you'll see but uh, on the evening um, after the headline act being on just before the DJ I come on stage and announce the amount that we've raised uh, and that's when I'm like I have to walk off somewhere quiet afterwards and think God I can't believe that is that real I have to ask the people three times uh, is that, you sure that figure's right? See, I'm not going to announce the wrong figure, and it's just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And one, one, one of your your friends, Darren Fox, our, our wonderful host that hosts the ball, says to me, I say to him at the end of the, the, the ball every year, he says he can't get any bigger. I'm saying, oh no, yeah. next year we're going to go for double, yeah. we're going to go for this, we're going to go yeah. for that. Uh, and, and that's that, that's what my life is now. I, I, I don't go in any restaurant, any hotel any bar, any holiday without asking for support now. So I think some, some people will be running across the road for me shortly. But, <laughs> <laughs> Michael! I don't get, people know now, especially the weeks leading up, leading up to the ball, if I'm booking a restaurant or, yeah. or, or a hotel, they say, we know what you want. Yeah. And as I check in, they've got the envelope there with the voucher. Yeah. But, you know, that's part of the fun of it. And so, so many of uh, my friends and my, luckily, because of my business and, and the connections that I have, I, I'm getting some absolutely great support. And mm. this year, more than ever, I thought I would really struggle. Look, we, we, we've had the pandemic, people are being closed, and so many people are coming to me now wanting to support, wanting to give, yeah. wanting, wanting to come on the evening. It, it, it's absolutely unbelievable. Michael... To finish off, and it's been a remarkable interview, one I've wanted to do for an awful long time, and I know you're a very busy man, and I know you, you're you a little bit shy, but you certainly, when you talk about what you're talking about, you're passionate. What would you say to people listening now? You've told us the story, you've told us the problems, but you are where you are now with an empire. What advice would you give to them to finish off? I would agree. I, I, I would give the advice that anything is impossible. And as a child, I dreamed. I had nothing. I, I, I had absolutely nothing. I had no family. I, we didn't have money. We had nothing. But I dreamed that I wanted to be a success. And I dreamed that... Look, it's not all all about money and wanting to be this and wanting to... I just dreamed I wanted to be able to do anything I, I, I wanted to do and be able to go to this hotel or go to that holiday destination... Uh, and that's come true and it's through hard work but I had a passion and I made that passion come true and look, anything is possible it doesn't matter where you're from or what you do if you have a passion and you want something you can go out there and find it I'm exhausted listening, Michael Josephson MBE, thank you so much for an amazing honest, frank interview and i hope people have learned from this thank you so much that was michael i hope you enjoyed it why not sign up it costs you nothing at all and we've got some great podcasts Live a cool life.